Welcome back. On today's episode of Select Few, we have Patrick Gibellina with uh, Mr. G's Autos. They're a classic truck car restoration company out of the Austin area. Uh, Patrick, welcome to the show, man. What's going on? Dude, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you making the trip down. Absolutely. So uh, killing two birds with one stone today. Yeah, I, you know, this is my go-to guy for my classic trucks and cars, and, you know, he actually came down here to pick mine up and and do some work it's uh riding like a three-legged horse you know <laughs> so i need you to make that right well just gonna make it better it's already a good truck yeah it's a great truck yeah. and uh and and i and honestly I'm, I'm gonna give you a credit for uh getting me addicted to classic vehicles it's a problem you know it started because of you i'm sure i was like a modern day car guy and modern stuff is fantastic it just it's expensive you gotta, you gotta sprinkle in uh something it's got you know some character to it you've got me kind of like uh I, I i'm not a big carburetor guy now like i just want everything fuel injected see I, i'm i like both if if you got the money let's go fuel injected but if you want easy like easy and you know it's gonna work there's nothing wrong with a carburetor uh dude i don't know i just like i like to turn the key and go and right i don't well, like I to talk, wait for a warm-up i talk people out of fuel injection all the time i mean and, you talked me out of it on the other truck they just don't understand the actual cost of what it's going to take to, you know, take an old car and put fuel injection on it. It's not yeah. a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks. The, uh, the guest yesterday, we he's uh, he's obviously got, you know, a ton of cars, and they're all modern. Yep. And so he was looking at these trucks, and, and I, was, I was got him on the, the, the hook for like a 64 Impala. Perfect. And then he had no idea about bringing, the tra- bringing a trailer either. Oh, that's, and I was that like, ruins someone's that's life. That's why I told him, I was like, dude, yeah. just get on here, man. And I, was, I started showing him some like 6.2 to 6.4 Impalas on there. It's like they were like 60, 70 grand done. Oh, easy. And I was like, dude, because it has to be a convertible. To 61 to 62 right now, a really nice one. You're talking six figures. Yeah, I actually, I saw one the other day go for like 132. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's a little, yeah. that's a little high. Yeah. But it's out good. Of, out of that whole range, 62 is the year I'd buy. 62? Mm-hmm. It's my you, favorite one. Mine's a 6.4 just because of Snoop. <laughs> it's totally understandable, but 99 other people are going to say the exact same thing. So do, do you buy do you buy an Impala and put Dayton's on it? Oh, hell no. No? No. No no Hunter Spokes? Mm-mm. No, sir. Well, You'd you... have to have that Pro Touring vibe. Okay. 20s, modern suspension, coilovers, as low as it could be, and that's how I'd rock it. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm not a Dayton guy, but, I mean, you know, it does look good in a rap video. 100%. The last thing I want to be is the uh, white kid driving around in on a country road with some 13s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> some Snoop. I mean, but but you don't even got to do 13s now. They got 22s, Hunter Spokes. Yeah, but that's actually a big no-no. Is it? So if you're going to build a traditional lowrider, it's got to be 13s. Okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not on the lowrider scene, but, you know, Paul Wall and them, you know, they went from spinners to 22 Hunter Spokes. And to slabs. To slabs and, you know. We're hoping that, you know, this, this podcast reached Paul Wall. You know, he's in our backyard and, you know. I know a couple people in Houston. I think, uh, you know, I think one day we'll get there. Yeah, they get them elbow swingers. Yeah, exactly. Candy yeah. paint caddy. Yes, yeah. So, I can see you rolling a candy paint caddy. Dude, I, I even told that guy the other day, he's like, uh, about the Impala, he's like, yeah, I want candy apple red, this and that. I was like, dude, we got to put some gold flake in it, you know. What about a new black wing with candy paint? I don't know. That'd be dope. You know, I, I, I built that VW race <clears> car a while back, um, and I, I had it painted uh, candy apple orange. I remember. And uh, like I totally butchered it. Not everybody can do candy paint. That uh, So the redheaded <laughs> stepchildren in the automobile 
world are interior guys and painters. Yeah. And the crazy thing is they know it. And the good ones you're going to pay for. And if you're not paying a lot of money, you're probably getting screwed. You know, in, you know, in my personal opinion. I think you're on to something because you talk to any guy, girl, that's in the cars and has dealt with classic trucks, cars, whatever. They have a horrible paint story. Like Legitimately. 99% of people. When I can take a car down to Mako and get a better job, right? No no, no, no disrespect to Mako because I tell you what, the, the one here locally for us has actually a custom car division. Mm-hmm. And they actually do good work. Minus all your rubbers and everything. So if you take it to them fully stripped, we went we went okay. and did a job last weekend and the truck was at Mako and I was twenty feet away and I was like, Oh God, this is so bad already. That's a it's a, it's that wet stand, it's all that you know, the stuff that they just don't, they don't do it, right? It's a cheap paint job. The hours in prep are what make good paint. If yeah. they don't spend the money in prep or the time in prep, it'll come just you'll see it all. In ground scheme of things, if you're not spending at least 10 grand on a paint job, you're not with the right people. I would tell you to quadruple that. If you're talking, you want to build yourself a nice classic vehicle, you're going to spend anywhere from 25 to 50 grand. But for for quality, I mean, there's guys out there, if you want black, paint jobs start at $45,000, go up from there. Jeez. Yeah. Dude, I'm like, that's like Ken digging money. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, what, that's probably why those cars are 300, 500, 700. Uh-huh thousand percent you know because they got three months into the paint alone hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours if you don't understand what that process actually looks like my, my only issue though <clears throat> is a sexy paint job like it's great but i want to drive my stuff you know what i mean like i don't want to and these texas roads dude they're not forgiven on yeah. any paint job we, we just took on our first project that's being painted as we speak and dropped it off last week and to have it done in the time frame we need to have it done it had to be quick and dirty. And the it's for, uh, I can't say too much, but it's for a, uh, a company in the um, gun world and they're gonna use it. So there's no reason for them to spend 20, 30, 40, $50,000 on paint job when it's actually going to be used. Like right. it's gonna be driven off-road. They're gonna bunch of dudes in the back with badass guns hanging out of the side of it they're gonna they're gonna actually use this is it. like a mad max car right here it's, it's gonna be fantastic i'm, I'm really uh, i was uh i was blessed to get the job and uh you know just as long as we have it done by december it's gonna be a chat show in january so, there you go yeah. yeah if i if i paid 50 grand for a paint job i'd be so pissed if a bird just shit on my car <laughs> that's the number one reason the people that spend that kind of money on stuff they're you know they don't drive them they're scared of them yeah. they, they don't want to yeah, I mean, it's, beat them up or you know, God forbid, rock chip or this or that. That's what you know. But there's a there's a whole world for people who want that, and there's a whole world for people who want a driver. Right, they're, they're two totally different things. I mean, that, that's where I'm at. It's a, you know, I'm not I'm not huge in patina, but you know, as you know, you convinced me to buy a patina truck, and it's like it's legitimately like the head turner. Like, yeah, I've, I, you know, I've been at car shows with you know six figure cars. You know, classic cars to you know million dollar Lambos sitting there, oh, and yeah. it's like everybody will literally leave all that and come look at it just because it's so different. Yeah, hundred percent. If you you can build yourself a driver that has original paint, or maybe it's been touched up over the years or whatever, and you spend your hard earned money in the chassis and the performance, the drivetrain, the brakes, the wheels, tires, you'll have just as nice of a car as anything modern nowadays. Yeah, and you're gonna get way more attention from it. In my personal, opinion. oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I just I need some AC in that one. It's a it's a little brutal. Well, we could do that too. 
I, I can't afford it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that too. <laughs> too much at one time. Yeah. Uh, Pause. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe my producer can uh, get us some sponsors on this podcast. You know, yeah, tell me about it. I need you one know, too. We've been repping this brother's <clears throat> bond whiskey, you know, paying out of our own pocket, you know, putting it in front of everybody, but just waiting for them to 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 show us some love. Sorry. You know what I mean? I'm waiting for that Buffalo Trace sponsorship just for my life. There you go. Yeah, just, That'd be dope. I just need it. See, I, I want a I want a big enough whiskey sponsor to come in here and make a select few uh, classic truck. There you go. You know what I'm saying? That way it can be in all the car shows. We can represent, you know, their brand, our brand. hundred percent. You know? It's full full movement, you know? Nice. I mean, we could even go Lincoln Continental too if they want to. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it has to be a convertible. See, I'm the other way around. I like the hard top. I, like I like the hard top, but it's like you can't find the convertibles. You know what I mean? Like, but it's so hot here. It is hot here. You know? Could you imagine just driving with the AC on? Dude, I can it's imagine the same, my, It's the same thing. I don't know. My hair blowing in the wind. You know what I mean? You know? It's got double DIN radios on each side. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 2005 all over again. <laughs> exactly. The flip, the flip out Kenwood. Oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't care what anybody says that's a trick. I'm gonna put a six dish changer in there. In the trunk. <laughs> yeah. That way I can pull out my C D book from back in the day. Oh man. You I, know? You can put a you can put a record player in the car. Yeah, that's that's what you need to do. They need to bring back Pit My Ride. You know what I mean? Come on, exhibit. You know? Who who doesn't need a fish tank in their car oh, right now? What's exhibit doing nowadays? Uh you know, he's probably just enjoying the the finer things in life. Probably. You know? It's, it's they made one hell of a run at it. That's for damn sure. Dude, it, it was a successful show, but, dude, the the poor people that got their cars <laughs> flipped, right? You know, the shitbox Honda that now looks really pretty and over the top, you know, still has the same, you know, 300,000-mile motor that's barely functional. I have to save my opinion, and I'm going to have to quit drinking if we're going <laughs> to keep talking about stuff like this. It hurts some feelings. So so I would like to take it, take it back, uh, you know, Let's talk about who you are. Like, okay. where? So, you grew up in Las Vegas. Grew up in Las Vegas. Moved there when I was four years old. Four years old from where? Chicago. Chicago. Yep. Okay. Suburbs so you, of Chicago. Chirac. Dude, Chirac to <laughs> Vegas. It's you know. Yeah. That's about the same. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's a different type of problem. You know, it's not it's nowadays. Not, it's not the place it used to be. No, it's not. It's. I was telling the <laughs> one of our guests the other day. I, was like, I will not. You know, we made a decision a long time ago. We'll never raise our children in Las Vegas. You know, even though oh. I'm from Las Vegas, yeah. like I, just, I couldn't because I got in so much trouble. I mean, kids aren't on uh, my radar anytime soon, but that's probably the last place out of a select other few places that I probably would not raise kids. Yeah, yeah. There's just like few places on that. <laughs> yeah. Any uh, Democrat-run <laughs> city not happening? I mean, didn't they just get a Republican? I don't know. I don't even know. How. I'm staying out of that no, one. No comment. I'm staying out of that one, you know. Shout out to my people in Vegas. Yeah, you know. Um, and we know some good people in Vegas. We we really do. You know, it's a. It, you know, what's really funny about Las Vegas is uh, you tell somebody like, "Yeah, I was born in Vegas, or I lived in Vegas." Like, they're like stunned that people live there. But you never lived there, right? No, I did. I was there until I was 11 years old. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. born there, and yeah. then stayed till I was 11. Then I ended up in Europe. Yep. And uh, then you went to Arizona. And then Arizona then after here. high school. Yeah, and then here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, yeah, so four years old, moved to Vegas. Okay. Uh, mom and dad wanted to get out of the winters, didn't want to deal with snow anymore. Dad's idea to move to Vegas, so we moved to Vegas. So from four to 28, I lived in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Yep. And then now the Austin area. Uh, north of Austin, yeah. Okay. So what made you leave Vegas? Your cousin. Okay. Yeah. 
Shout out to my cousin. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, you know Walter's favorite cousin. So as as she's been dubbed. Sorry. Um, all my other cousins. <laughs> There's a lot of them too. We uh, so I had a good friend that lived in the Austin area. Came to visit. Um, my wife Valerie loved it here. Um, she is in the hair industry. There's a couple other classes coming available, so she came back for another class and. She's like, hey, I could see us moving here. And I was like, I, at that time, was in a business for like four or five years, very comfortable, doing well. And uh, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to move to Texas. Like, I, yeah. I like it there. It's cool. But, you know, we have everything in Las Vegas. All of our friends are here. we got a house here. My parents are here. Um, at that time, our grandmothers were alive, and we were right. both very close with our grandmothers. And uh, we kind of made the decision, like, hey, if something ever happened with, like, family, like, potentially we would move or if the right opportunity came up and I think we sat on it for about, I don't know, six to 10 months. And then, um, grandma's, uh, Val's grandma got sick, passed. Um, and then my grandmother got sick and she passed December 3rd and we had moved at, uh, she had moved in October. Like on, we drove out here on, um, Halloween. She moved, she got a job at a really nice salon. And then uh, my grandmother was battling cancer and lost. And uh, we, I drove out the day after Thanksgiving. And she passed a couple days later. So that's what brought us out to Texas. My wife loved it here, wanted to move. We came and saw you one time and then drove <laughs> down to Austin. And um, just had a feeling that we, we really liked it here. We Did just were unsure of taking that uh, gigantic step. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, 100%. You know, you're, you know I mean, because even like me, right, I look at, at like my siblings that are, you know, Vegas the ends, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. born, raised, never left. Yeah, 100%. And I'm like, why don't y'all go do something different? You know what I mean? I, I think, well, one of them is always never there. Yeah. So, and then the other one, I don't know, you think he'll stay long term? I mean, I don't know. He's He's got his life set on Reno yeah. after retirement. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like the other one's never leaving. Yeah, you know, I've I've talked to him. I was like, dude, you gotta like try something new. Yeah, you know, especially when you retire, like you could literally go anywhere. I, I see the uh, Nevada. You know, as you get older, you think about property taxes. You think about how far your money is going to go. And and I don't want to make it seem like I'm old. I'm 36, but I, I like to think about the future constantly. And Texas is an amazing place to live. But shoot, if you get yourself a nice house here, especially down in the Austin area. You want to spend twenty grand a year on property taxes, and you know yeah. where, where can you go to make that money live a little longer, or I mean, stretch a little bit further. I mean, there's, I mean, don't go wrong. I love it here. I plan on spending the next twenty years of my life here, but there's other places out there that are, you know, definitely on my radar. I would move to. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some cost of it. I mean, hell, even like you know, my wife, she's you know loves Arizona, born and raised, yep. and she'll go back in a heartbeat. And, oh, and their property tax are half percent. Oh yeah, you know, versus here we're at like two and a half percent. Yeah, or three percent, or three yeah, and a half. Dude, yeah, dude, it's it's a, it's a, it's that's the biggest drawback for Texas, right? Hundred percent. And I mean, probably the main drawback for me is because it doesn't matter. You know, I'm looking at some of these guys that I know that they live in two and three million dollar houses. Mm -hmm. Dude, they're paying one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a year in taxes. Oh, it's crazy. And I'm like, dude, your tax bill is more than most people. Does the state that, tax like equal that out? I know in Arizona. No, no, no. You'd right. be better off paying state tax. Yeah, in Nevada, same thing. Zero. Um, What's called income tax? Yeah, and I mean, there's no no state income tax there, and it's like you could literally have you know a three thousand dollar year you know tax bill on a oh, yeah. two million dollar house. My the house we just sold last year was my grandmother's, 
and it was half million dollar house, four hundred fifty thousand dollar house, and the tax bill on that house every year was eighteen hundred bucks. Oh wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a you know the average the average property here at a million dollars, if the house is a million dollars, that's not the average price here. Um, it's twenty thousand a year. You know, I mean, and you know, your your five hundred thousand is about you know eight to ten. Yeah, our house that we sold in Kyle, south of Austin. When we sold, we sold for three hundred grand. We bought it for two hundred grand three years prior when the boom really happened, like the year of COVID and everything. It was sixty eight hundred dollars. Yeah, for three hundred thousand. Oh yeah, and and I learned real quick through like uh you know living in my house and and pulling permits to like remodel. Oh yeah, dude, they they don't have a limitation. Like yeah, because you've been in your house how long? Uh, eleven years now. Yeah, and uh, so when you pull a permit, they can actually reevaluate it. You're 100%. you're not capped at ten percent. Yeah, and so like when I put a pool in, right? And I spent a good amount of money on that pool, but the tax change amount was more than I paid for the pool. Oh, it's probably triple. And and it's insane because a pool adds like fifteen to twenty five thousand dollars worth of value to a house mm-hmm. at a resale. Yep. Right. You'll spend a hundred grand here, you know, because pools are outrageous. Easy. You know. But then when your tax bill goes up one hundred thirty thousand dollars, yeah. You know, because you pulled a permit, they get to go ahead and readjust. Yeah. And and that's like even even our business property. It's the same thing like there, not pulling permits because there's no building, right? You can't homestead it as a second property. Which is crazy to me because if you're the sole owner of your business and your house is homesteaded, why wouldn't you be able to homestead this one as well? Well, you would, you would think you could. Yeah. So it's like here, I've literally watched it increase 200K a year. Yeah. And I'm like... Uh, the tax man wants their money. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, the tax bill on this property is $22,000 now. Yeah. I'm like... And, and it's, it's crazy because like if you look at a tax bill in the state of Texas, it was like 80% goes to the school. Yeah. And like someone like myself that doesn't have any kids were like... Well, I guess we're, I don't want to say we're throwing our money away, but yeah. you guys are welcome for it, the, it kinda can I get a, a tax it, deduction for the donation? It, it kind of feels like a, you know, like, you know, I mean, we have a good governor and all, but it feels like, oh, 100%, you know, awesome. it feels like a, you know, like the Bernie Sanders, <laughs> Bernie Sanders idea where you're, you know, everything's free, yeah. right? You know, but I, I mean, I you that. have a good point. It's, you know, you're paying for other people's kids. 100%. You know what I mean? And it's, I don't know, I can't understand it. But then we have some of the shittiest roads. You know what I mean? All this money going into these cities, and then it's like, you can, so like, people that aren't familiar with Texas, but like Highland Park, Preston Hollow are some of the most prestigious areas in the Dallas area. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is big money. And, uh, you know, some of your, your, your big, you know, multi-billionaire people live there. Dude, they had the worst fucking roads. What about I-35 in middle Austin? Dude. I th- <laughs> I've been here, that we're going on eight years. It's been like from Buda to the river. Right. South Austin. It's been under construction since I've lived here. Yeah. I mean, and, that's, that's, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, what? why is this still under construction? And, like, I remember when we moved here, we'd see memes like I-35 has been like this for 20 years. Dude, I've been Shit, here. Shit, that ain't 16, no lie. Like, it's 17 years now. been like that since we moved here. And it's 35 terrible. has been under construction for right? Yeah. And it's like, what well, you know, what's, what's even more crazy, too, is, like, they, they it's like yeah, they're going to add two more lanes or three more oh, lanes, yeah. right? By the time they finish, they needed 10 more lanes. Oh, you know dude. what I mean? So it's, it's like gonna be like Houston, like eight yeah. wide or whatever it is. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, look what they did through the downtown Austin, where they had to do a double decker. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or yeah, a bypass. Yeah, I mean that's that's actually what like the city of McKinney is is doing too. Is they're looking for like McKinney, Prosper, Frisco, like doing bypasses around yeah. this area, and having to possibly go up on our main roads. And yeah. I'm like, dude, this is, nah. It's crazy. But it's you know, and that's kind of the the one thing we didn't like, you know being here almost 17 years is, you know, we lived on one side of the town mm-hmm. where we're at. And then we moved to the opposite end of the town cause there was nothing. And then all of a sudden the boom hits again. Yeah. And I'm like, 
dude, I'm like landlocked with a whole lot of people. Me and my wife talk about that all the time because we live south of Austin for the first five years. Yeah. And the last two years we've been north of Austin and it has its extreme differences. Like, and there'll be people that are like, oh, we're only southeast or we're only, you know, we only live north or whatever. Yeah. There's an extreme difference like between the type of people and then um, anywhere you go in Texas, I mean, people come here and are moving in droves. We have the nicest people in the world. That's just a, like a south thing. Sure. But there is an extreme difference. I'm sure it's the same thing in Dallas. I've never lived in Dallas, but I'm sure there's like one side of Dallas. This is like a specific way and another side of Dallas is a specific way. Like that cut at the river in Austin, it is definitely different from yeah. south to north. It's like completely different. Yeah, it's a, I don't know, Texas is just different, man. Yeah. It's like its own country. You know, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But there's certain infrastructure things that need need adjustments. A thousand percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so I, wa- I want to go back. So Vegas to Austin. Yep. So what are you, what were you doing? You moved to Austin. What, what kind of work were you doing? So uh, I was an insurance agent. Okay. Licensed insurance agent almost 10 years. I worked for AAA Insurance in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, worked in an office of four or five different agents. Loved it. And when I moved here... Um, took that same job, it did almost kind of like a transfer, but they had different sub owners. So AAA is a nationwide company, but they're, I don't wanna call them franchise, but they have separate owners per the state that you're in. So Southern California actually owned the Texas market and Northern California actually owned the Nevada market. So I actually had to like re-interview and yeah. everything else, but uh, that was easy transition. Uh, and then uh, I had to do their training deal. So I went three months of training then got stationed in an office in South Austin. I was there for almost two years before I made the change. I made the change to uh, Liberty Mutual, helped launch their at-home program before COVID. So it was like uh, 2000, end of 2018. I think I started in like September, October. And we were piloting the work at home program. So you're still an insurance agent working at home, just taking inbound calls all day long. Yeah. And I did that for almost three years and absolutely loved it. Um, the year of COVID never made more money in my life. Um, just because you could work unlimited hours. Yeah. Like they didn't care. The, the, the inbound calls we were getting cause people were so scared of what was to come. People were switching insurance. They want to save money, all this stuff. So, I mean, it was amazing. Well, I'm sure I, you know, I never thought about that until you brought it up. I'm like, I mean, people are st- stuck at home, oh, yeah. right? They have nothing better to do with their time, 100%. but to start really looking at life. Yeah. Like you, know literally, I mean? you could work from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. if you wanted to. Yeah. And since I was stuck at home and my wife was a hairdresser, they closed everything down. Yeah. She had three months where she didn't work. And I was like, well, if you're going to be off for three months, like I'm just going to, you know, work till as much as I can. Right. Like, I'd rather work. And, you know, and we saw what we were making that year, like kind of before COVID happened. And we were like, like January, February. I was like, man, the. the the goals they set this year weren't uh, <laughs> very conducive for the actual company. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to work like a crazy person. Yeah. So, so go back to that. Uh, yeah. I was, I just was like, I was going to become like a working crazy person. So I, I literally worked the rest of that year as much as I could and uh, never had made that type of money because the goal that they had set was very reachable by a, a substandard, insurance agent yeah. if you're really good at top tier it, it was you know very very it was easy yeah. money to make that year the year after covid they realized they, they fucked up yeah they're like hey we paid out our yearly goal on commissions by like i think <laughs> july so they're like 
next year, you know, we're going to try to revamp it. You know, it's just, it's kind of bullshit because you see that a lot, a lot of big corporations, like when they start seeing like all their incentive programs that they, that they set, right? A hundred percent. It's like all of a sudden people are nailing them. Yeah. Right. Which is good because obviously if you're incentivized, right, that means they're bringing in more income. They're mm-hmm. bringing in more customers. Oh, thousand right. So their clientele base goes up, their income goes up. Y'all are happy. Mm-hmm. Let's fuck that up. Let's, yeah. let's change everything right now. And, and when you work strictly commission, like, yeah, you get a, a paycheck if you don't show up or whatever you get, like whatever the minimum wage is, like that's nothing. But if when you're incentivized and you work commission only that I, that I did for almost 10 years, you're responsible for your own paycheck. And right. if you tell me and I can truly see that, like it, it's not, there's no cap this year. I'm going to work seven days a week if I can. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever, whatever I can do to make as much money as possible. If you're saying, Hey, the floodgates open, let's do it. I'm yeah. not, I'm not the, you know, foot's on the gas the whole time. <laughs> and then uh, when 21 came around they're like, hey guys, you know, new incentive plan, and we saw the numbers. We were like, hold my beer. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna not make any money this year, or not make like what we made the right. year before. What was your, what was your biggest month you had that year? Oh god, probably close to twenty grand. Mm. And then, uh, but like, so we had like a, I forget, I don't want to explain it wrong, but we had a tiered system. So you had like a bottom tier all the way to the top tier. And however many policies you sold, they counted them as like one. Or they like if you sold like a renter's policy, like a half a point. So it was all judged off a point scale. And it was like over a, we had this thing called the, uh, the Century Club or the Crown Club or something like that. If you sold over 100 policies like a month, you, you, were, you were a big deal. You were, you were doing well. You right. were, you know, top echelon. And it was like the two years or the year I was, yeah, two years, year and a half I was there before that. I had hit it like maybe like 10 months out of the year and like four months that I was yeah. there. And then um, the year of COVID, like we hit it every single month. Like there was like, I think at one month I got close to 200 policies, like 183 policies Damn. I wrote. And yeah, I was thinking it was, I think it was close to 20 grand. But I mean, right, when you go it, from making that type of money and then the next year, like you're struggling to get like mid tier bonus and make like five grand. You're like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Like I, I, I can't go from making obscene amount of money for someone my age who I think, you know, Hey, I didn't go to college. Yeah. Barely got through high school. All I knew was sales. Like that's like my first job. We could go actually before insurance. My first real job is I work for discount tire. Okay. And, and I can tell, and I tell anyone this, that I explain, you know, whatever I've done in my life, I owe probably 90% of my success to that company. Really? Cause they put a, a thousand percent. Shout out discount tire. Shout out discount tire. Um, they, invest in the person so much yeah and like the the classes they put you through the you know uh, management help the um seminars whatever you want to call it yeah. their you know their education for you is uh, above any other place i've ever worked at and uh the gentleman that i worked for in that period of time not just like the managers i worked for before i got my own store but like the higher ups like our assistant vice presidents or vice president were always really good to me. And I was always able to make a really good connection with those guys. Yeah. So I learned very quickly and I saw like the managers that I worked for, what they were doing to be successful. And that's what I wanted. So I don't know if this is still true or not. I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own ass, but at 22 years old, I got my own store, which is like almost, almost unheard of when I, 
when I worked there. Sure. I was like the youngest manager. I mean, anybody that's your, in their, get their your early store. 20s, right? To, yeah. It's, it's not different you. than like, dude, I worked at Subway. And next thing you know, I'm like store manager, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, here's another store, right? So I'm doing two stores and like this tiny ass town has three stores. Yeah. I'm like, how cool is that, right? Even though, you know, I got raped on cost. Oh, you yeah. Know, I'm like, they're giving me $9 an hour salary and I'm like, uh, I, yeah. I did that when I left Discount Tire. <laughs> I worked for, uh, shout out Gold's Gym. Right. But it was like sub-owned by a private company, not actual Gold's Gym franchise. Yeah. Same thing, like you just work your tail off. You work eight to eight, like yeah. Monday through Friday and then you, if you need to be there on Saturday, you're there on Saturday. And you're just like, why am I working so much for so little money? I yeah, like, I mean, and, and you see it too, but it's like the hustle almost outweighs it because you're almost like, I'm really not making a lot of money. You know, yeah. this, this this guy that's making, you know, say six, seven bucks an hour back then, and I'm making nine, but they're getting paid overtime. 100%. You know, I'm sitting here working like open to close, right? And that's like 6 a.m. to midnight. And I'm like, because nobody shows up, right? And yeah. it's like, I was, you know, I was kind of dumb, but I learned, I learned that lesson too, like, Continuing on through all my careers, mm-hmm. dude, I got taken advantage of, and I think that's what really drives people too to start their own companies. Uh, that's one of the major reasons that I left Discount Tower at the age of like 23, 24, however old I was. Um, I worked there for almost seven years, and uh, just I mean, you are working like you are always working, and not saying that burnout isn't a real thing, but at like 22, 23, when all your buddies are coming back from college and you're just like working. Yeah. every single day but you at the end of the day like i said i made phenomenal money like right really good like to be under the age of 25 and you're making 80 90 grand a year and all sure. your buddies are just coming out of college and they're trying to get it figured out or they're trying to be like hey i just started working for x company and now they got to move up the food chain i started doing that at like 17 yeah so it was like i saw what was possible and i'm not a big school person yeah so as soon as i saw what was available to me that was the only goal I had in sight. Yeah, insight was to have my own store. But, but where did that money. drive come from? Where did it start? Like, um, mom, dad. I've, I've always been money motivated. I like to do my. I like to be responsible for myself. Yeah. And when you have opportunities in front of you, and you don't act on them, it's um, very disheartening to me because I, I see a lot of people that are like have these crazy opportunities, and I'm like what are you doing? Like yeah. I had several friends of mine growing up, parents owned big companies in Las Vegas and they're like, Oh, I just going to go to college and go find myself. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you could be working for your mom and dad making like stupid money. And then in 20 years, that company could be yours. Like uh, I see opportunity and I, and I, and I try to act on it as best I can. Yeah. Uh, parents are always hard workers. I think that's where it came from to go back to your question. Uh, when my parents got divorced when I was six, mom worked two jobs. Uh, dad was always in sales and you name it type of sales. He did it. He ever sold Kirby. What the heck is Kirby? Kirby vacuums. Oh, you no. know, the people that went to door to door, like, let me, uh, I'd have to ask him. Let me, let me, let me I clean like one patch of carpet. Right. And then, <laughs> and then you're like, you're frustrated. Cause like one, you find out you can't afford the Kirby. Mm. Right. But then you have the cleanest fucking square of carpet and you're like, my household <laughs> vacuum is not going to clean it better than that. Yeah. And it's like, shit, kids come dirty this carpet up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Uh, I think I, I think I saw my dad. Uh, he always had a commission sales job, and preached about how good having a sales job was. Yeah, uh, he worked in the timeshare industry, okay. which could be a dirty term for some people. Yeah, there's tons of money to be made, and uh, he worked in that industry for over 20 years in Las Vegas. Yeah, and uh, you know, gave me and my sister a phenomenal life. Um, and then 2005 happened, and he had a couple rental homes. Yeah, and 
you know, oh yeah, market it's, uh, fell out. It, it changed everybody's <laughs> life, right? Hundred percent. And, and I mean, because we're still, you know, somewhat young, so that was our biggest turning point in life that we got to see growing up through a crash. Yeah, at eight, at eighteen years old, to grow up the way that I did, and I'll tell anyone, I, I grew up, you know, from like, I think my dad really started to make money when I was like probably ten to eighteen. Yeah, and you know. I drove a brand new car in high school. Like we, I don't want to say spoiled, but right. we were well taken care of, me and my sister. Uh, and then to see everyone lose everything, especially in Las Vegas, I think it was the number one yeah. city that took the biggest crash. I mean, it was like, you learned real quick. Right. And it, it humbled you real quick to see that someone could have everything and then it could be taken away really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I was early in my career when when that went down too. And, um, you know, I'm a couple of years older than you, but... You know, I we were in Arizona, you know, and I was just getting my sales career off the ground. You know, I've been doing labor jobs and stuff like that and got to my point of sales and and it crashed. And that's how I ended up in Texas because it's like, you know, Arizona lost, you know, the bottom fell out. Yeah. And so I ended up here and it, it was weird because it was like a whole different reality here. Like the bottom hadn't fallen out. I feel like Texas was affected, but like not affected. They just time. they just didn't, you know, grow so large. It, like we're having the the effect now. Like, you know, the rest of the world is like booming in a sense, but. You know, since California keeps screwing up policies and, and their political their politi- their polit- political structure shit, yep. all their businesses are leaving there to Texas. So what is that doing to Texas? It's a, it's inflating our entire economy. So I, th- I fear, like, if we do tank again, mm-hmm. we will actually be a part of that. Well, if you look at the rising home prices in the last, what, three years? Yeah. They've either doubled or tripled, especially in the Austin market. And I could speak to this, you know, being in the insurance, in, in insurance industry. I get phone calls and you know, whenever I'd get local calls, cause I was licensed in like 46 States. So I'd get Texas calls, but very randomly. And I get, I remember I had this doctor who called me. She's like, I can't remember if it was he or she, but she's like, yeah, we're moving down from Chicago. I got this crazy offer to become a sur- surgeon at, you know, this hospital. And, uh, this is the house I'm buying. Just give me the address. I'm like looking it up. I'm like, this is like a 400, $500,000 house. Yeah. She's paying like 1.2 million for it. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? And I like look up the address. I'm like, my buddy lives right down the street and he paid like 400 grand for his house oh, like yeah. two years ago. Oh, you're, dude. you're telling me you're going to pay 1.2? It's like, yeah. this is wild. And it's same thing in Vegas. Like yeah. we had that big boom back in the day. And then the last three years, like my grandmother's house we sold last year, she paid 120 grand for it. Yeah. It sold for 420 something. Dude, if I would have listed like three weeks prior, it probably would have sold close to half a million. Dude, it's insane. And then what what really sucked in, in my vantage point was when the market crashed, it created so much potential wealth. A thousand percent. And Could I you had, imagine if we were had, a little had, bit older and we right. had some, some I had more no money, money yeah. right? It's it's kinda like when uh Val and I's grandfather bought land in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when they when they passed away, you start going through some of the receipts and you're like he spent fourteen grand on an acre. Oh yeah, like in downtown Vegas. Like dude. my grandmother had a bunch of like random land in Illinois. Yeah, and like five hundred dollars for like half acre, or a couple thousand bucks yeah. for two acres, and you're just like, what the heck? Yeah, like here, what's the what's like the average acre in DFW? Oh yeah, and it's like you know, like and, and like our our grandpa, he built that house that's over there by the, you know, used to be the Winter Schnitzel right mm-hmm, yeah. over there across. <laughs> they uh. They built the house for like fifteen grand. Yeah, dude, and it's like you know they cashed out, right? But the one thing I, I want to say, which is really really funny, is you ever heard of reverse mortgages, right? 
So are we going to talk about specific somebody? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say uh, no. Nah, so I want to talk about. So I don't know if you know, but like, so Val's grandfather, right? Yep. I know this story. You know, it's like so. You know, he he's a smart dude. Yeah. He was very smart. You know, being in the roofing, being a marine, like, dude. He's one of my, if not the biggest, like inspiration idol. And I hear that. That's crazy because I hear that from every one of your brothers, your sister. Yeah. My wife, her sister. Yeah. He was like the staple in the family. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I carry my name because of that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm blessed to even be named after him. And it's like, I don't even feel like I can hold a candle to half the man he was. Yeah. But like to, to when they pass away and you start seeing like the details of like their, their investments and their whole estate, it's like. He had that house paid for, you know, he bought it for nothing. Yeah. And then reverse mortgaged it for like 250 grand. Mm-hmm. The bottom falls out literally right when he's dying. Oh, 100%. And then, and that house, even like in today's crazy market, probably isn't worth 250 grand. No, I, th- I think. And then, so, you know, the when, you know, a few years later, when, when the, when grandma passed away, it was like that house went to auction for like 40K. Yeah, we looked it up. I forget what it was. It was like really, really low. Yeah, it was tiny because, I, dude, I was watching it. Like, dude, I, and I wasn't even into the point where like I had the money. And I was like, dude, I want to buy it. You know, like just some nostalgia value. Yeah, just to have it. You know what I'm saying? Like just to have it, right? And it's like, and it's not, you know, it wasn't the greatest neighborhood. Like when they when they first moved there, like that was a cool area. Oh, yeah. You I know, mean, as if, kids. If you, if you think about it, like, and if you're from Vegas, you know this area, like down Alta Road. Yeah. And like you get further down to like... Rancho Santa Fe and all that stuff. Like that's prime neighborhood, like yeah. back in the day. And then you everyone that was moving further from that moved up further and further and further. And it's like that was like the super nice neighborhood. Yeah. And then it, you know, then Summerlin came along and then, you know, Henderson came along and then there's Anthem and all these other like crazy places. Yeah. But it's so weird that you see Las Vegas has kind of gone through this resurgence where all those older communities now are like stupid money because yeah. everyone wants to live like an old Las Vegas. Well, and, and you got that, but then you have still have lot size, right? Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's like, he still had a decent lot and a cul-de-sac, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's kind of like the Vegas trap in my opinion out there, but yeah, because the, the newer homes, you have no lot. Yeah. There's nothing. It's like 4,000. I mean, like the, the house I grew up in back in 92, um, it was, it was deep North, you know, heading towards the mountains before there was anything out there. And, um, Dude, we had a patio cover that almost touched the fence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's that or you had an entire pool with zero lot line. Like, I'm like, okay. You'd like walk out of your out of your uh, your sliding glass door into the pool. Yeah, exactly. I'm like. And then the other edge of the pool touches the <laughs> cement wall. Well, exactly. I'm yeah. like, there's nowhere. Like, people do this, though. And like, I mean, we just literally had a patio cover. And yeah, it's uh, crazy to see the houses in Vegas that have like crazy big yards yeah like a quarter acre half acre like right. those are like people like oh my god i gotta have quarter acre half acre like and you're spending half a million to a million dollars right. to, to have that and then here it's like your average house is probably like on, especially like the older homes here are like on a quarter acre or half acre you can yeah, buy it's like, for it's two three hundred yeah, it's, it's like, standard oh my right goodness, yeah yeah it's it, it's a wild you know the biggest change for me like going from the west coast to here is Going from slump block walls. Oh yeah. To to, to fences, the yeah. wood, wood fences. Wood fences. And I'm like, what do you mean I gotta maintain this thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, if it falls down, <laughs> I got I gotta pay to put it back Yeah, up. like I gotta restain this thing. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, that was a, that was kind of a sticker shock. You know, like, okay. You know, then tolls, right? Doing tolls oh. here. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this like my, my installation company probably spends 18, 20 grand a year on tolls. Uh, and I'm like it's hard to comprehend because 
especially in the Austin area, just like here, that sometimes is your only option. Right. Because it's so gridlocked everywhere else. That really is your only option if it you is. have to get somewhere. Well, and they got smart here in Dallas, so they got rid of the HOV lines and then just made freaking fast pass lines. Yeah. So legitimately, you can spend double the amount of money going to a you know new and improved non-HOV lane. And so like my guys will literally drive my, my company vehicles through that shit, and it costs me $15 through two exits. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I will, I'll see my statement out. I will literally rip somebody's ass. I'm like, you're going to pay for that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stay on the main road. But, and, but on the other side, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Right? You're either stuck in deadlock traffic or <laughs> you're going in the fast lane, you know? And, and thank God, like our new house, like we're such off the seat, beaten path. Yeah. And now that my business is at home again, it's like, I don't really have to go anywhere unless I really have to right. go. You're, wa- you're walking to uh, to the shop in house shoes? Yeah. Yeah. No, not really. You don't want to wear house shoes inside the shop. I mean, you know, I did maybe that. Cro- maybe Crocs once in a while. I did that a few times. I show up in slippers, you know, feeling like a, like, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, that's not professional. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I'd like to, let's touch base. Like, so insurance world to Mr. G's classic yeah. trucks, man. So like, out of the insurance world, uh, end of uh 21 yeah 21 um i took a small job for three months that absolutely hated um and then it wasn't going well probably the first job i ever worked at where you know i wasn't succeeding right my peers and it just it was a place that uh i kind of got talked into working to because you know i saw this you know oh my goodness you can make x amount of money this this, this and uh it wasn't for me and I remember speaking with uh, the gentleman who was in charge of the store. And I was like, uh, we were just having this talk. And he's like, tell me how bad I was doing. I was just like, this doesn't make sense for me to be here. Like, right. This is this is not the place for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm weird about dates. It was my grandmother's birthday. Really? January 17th. And then did you feel it like it was a sign? I, 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 I didn't think it was a sign. It like hit me after I left. Yeah. Because we had a very... Uh, he did discussion. Yeah. And I was told to go home for the day. And uh, I was thinking about it. And I was like, I don't need this job. Yeah. I really don't need it. You know, it, it's funny. And, and I'm only going to say this because you know me, but it's like, you know, God works that way. Like he, he uses dates, times, yep. you know, all these different signs. Right. You know, so that day became a monumental moment. I remember, I actually remember that day. You're like, yeah. I'm literally done with this shit and I'm going to start a company. I was like, okay, cool. And, and to go before that, so I've always been, I know we kind of touched on you and I, gigantic car people. Yeah. And I always told myself, didn't matter what capacity it was going to be in, I wanted to have some type of job in the automotive world. And I thought I had that when I worked at Discount Tire. And then, you know, I saw greener pastures, I left and yeah. got my insurance license. And, uh, and I always, there was always that thing that I wanted to, you know, kind of dive into. But I didn't know in what capacity right. I could get into it. And uh, early 2020, I really got bit by the bug again where I wanted to start like just, and I think uh, a lot of people will, will agree with this. Sometimes it's about the hunt more than it is like getting that one specific, you know, car or truck or whatever. Sure. It's all about going on the hunt and finding what you really want. Yeah, and you're you, driving you all think, over the U.S., aren't you? Yeah, what you really think you want. Yeah. And um, so I found a truck. And uh, I was looking everywhere in the state of Texas because I was like, you know what? I'm going to just find something local, 
couple of bucks and, uh, you know, I'll have like my, my toy, my weekend toy yeah. or whatever. Cause I'm really bad. If I was going to buy something modern, I just like dump a bunch of money into it. Oh, and yeah. Like never get it back. So, um, I love classic trucks like that to me, anything from the forties to modern, if it's a single cab, short bed, if it's a dually, whatever right. it is, I like it. I'm yeah. going to do it. And, uh, so I found this 96, which is referred to OBS truck, old body style. It's which funny, is 96 doesn't sound old at switcher, all. Which <laughs> are, you know, the last couple of years they've kind of exploded again, the 88 to 98 Chevy trucks and GMC trucks. So I found, and I, like I said, oh gosh. I like, I like to kick stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm very picky, like you are. I wanted something like super low miles, really taken care of. So there's nothing to find in Texas. Right. I drove all the way to Houston one day to look at one that I was like, oh man, this is the one. It was like 12,000 bucks. I'm like, this is the one, I gotta buy it. So I drive out there and when I get there, I'm just like, this thing is a hunk of junk. Like it's not what I, what I was envisioning. So then the, the hunt starts and I mean, when did market, Marketplace like really start popping? Was that like two years ago? Um, Three years ago? Yeah. Okay, so this is like, before marketplace really took off and right. i'm still looking on craigslist <laughs> and then i'm looking on ebay and i'm like just looking everywhere and then uh find this truck on ebay and uh thank god you, on ebay there's ways around ebay yeah he had his phone number posted oh yeah so i call him i love when people do that yeah call him and i'm like i'm like hey mentioned in this truck he was asking like 15 grand i go i got 12 grand i, w- I want to buy the truck and he's like you're close but you're not there and i'm yeah. like well what's the number I go, I'll send you some money right now and I could be there next weekend. So we agreed up on price and uh, me being the way that I am, it was like <laughs> right outside Chicago. So I got family. I got a yeah. couple friends that still live there. I hit up my buddy Colin. I'm like, hey, you want to go on a road trip? He's like, what are you talking about? I go, I'm going to fly into Chicago, buy this truck and drive back to Austin. And uh, he's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so buy a plane ticket. Go out there. The truck is exactly what I wanted. Pay the man, uh, get in the truck. We go have lunch with my aunt that still lives there. And then we just got on the road and drove it all the way back from outside of Chicago all the way to south of Austin. So 96 Chevy, eBay special. Yep. Super and clean, 80,000 miles. He just took a risk. Yeah. He's like, fuck I'm going to put it on the road. Like, yeah, let's drive it home. You weren't worried? No. No? That was it was funny because when I got there, I'm like looking it all over and checking it, and like right before we left, I was like, I was like, let's check the spare tire, <laughs> no spare tire. And I'm like, I got AAA, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, right. So yeah, we left on like a Saturday. We got home like Monday morning. Like we stopped in St. Louis. We I mean we stopped a couple places because right, we want to just make a, a trip. Road trip, it. yeah, yeah. And then uh, that is really um, kind of spawned or got my interest like really moving again in trucks. Yeah. And then being the salesman that I am, I was like, these are really starting to gain popularity. If I do like the normal things I like to do to a truck, like clean it up, detail it, have it polished, right. put some different wheels on it, you know, make it my own, someone's going to want to buy it because I've already had offers for it and I haven't even like touched it yet. People are, like hit me up on Instagram like, hey, can I get this? Or is it, is it for sale? And oh, I'm yeah. Like, oh, not. No, I just just bought it. <laughs> I'm literally and, still uh, on my way home. Yeah, and uh, and this is like back in the day when I all I was like my personal Instagram. Yeah, 
And then uh, I started like a, a separate one just for truck content. And uh, I was like, I was like, man, these things are just like gaining popularity like crazy. I was like, I think I could make like if I sold it, I think I'd make like four or five grand on this truck. Yeah. And the idea came around and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to list it. I listed it for like some absurd price. And people like just ragging me about the price. And I'm like, the truck's going to sell for this price. So like probably a couple weeks goes by. And I have a couple offers that are like close to what I was asking for. And this guy hits me because, hey, I got a mint condition 01Z06. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not what I need. But I know the value of it. And it's like a 20,000 mile car. So yeah. super nice. And uh, I was like, I was like, well, I'm not interested unless it's a straight trade. And he's like, he goes, he goes, I want that truck. So me and your cousin, my wife, drove to Waco, met this guy, brought the title. I brought my title. He's like, I want it. Did a trade, listed the Z06 for sale immediately. Yeah. Because if I knew I kept it, it I'd put like 20 grand into it. It'd have a pro charger on it and God knows what else. Right. And uh, sold it like six days later for 22.5. And I was like, okay. So then I was, so still, then still, I was on the hunt for another truck. Yeah, so you still picked up seven grand. Yeah. And uh, you, you well, no, no, I, I made like four or five grand because I put wheels on it. Oh, okay. Like, so I, you put some I made it, it made it my own. And uh, then the hunt started, and that's when I like really was like, I'm going to start looking for trucks the same way I looked for that green truck. Yeah. And I'm going to start buying them. I'm going to start selling them. And, I, and that's one thing that I've noticed like watching your stuff is is you're not looking just for everyday shit. No, I want something. You know, it's, it's like that damn Jimmy, right? I'm like, how in the world is this? I'll have to send you some. Uh, I'll send you, you know, some pictures so you can you know? post it. And because you ended up selling that, right? Yeah. So um, let, let's get to that. So, anyways, we go through. I, I go through a couple of trucks. The truck that I actually bought after the green one, I still own. It, it's like I don't know. I can't sell it. It's, right. It's something like literally, it's torn apart in pieces right now. Yeah. And I have such big plans for it that I'm like, I just can't sell the truck and I've had multiple offers that I've like accepted and then like deal doesn't go through or like trade offers like I've multiple times where I've could have got rid of it and I haven't right and um, which says a lot because I've seen you go through some beagles yeah and I and, and I don't know what it is but that's how the blue truck's been for me like yeah. it's like dude I had it for sale I had it consigned mm -hmm. and I was like you know I can't sell it exactly and that's when I called you just like hey we need to do something yeah <laughs> so um and then it like just snowballed into like Finding one, doing a couple small things to it, and selling it. Yeah. Finding one. And I kind of grew like a little presence in the truck community. And uh, I was always getting hit up from like whenever I would have something like quote unquote done or like ready to go, I would have someone hit me up. Yeah. Or I would list it for sale and it would be gone like within a week or two. And there's been some stuff that I knew would be a little bit tougher to sell. And I've used uh, some good friends of mine to consign it and they've moved it quickly. Yeah. And uh, the reach is huge on some of those guys. It's nuts. And um, like when I had mine consigned, I had a guy from Germany fly in to drive it. I've I've literally dealt with several overseas buyers, but never pulled the trigger because the hard part with that is then getting it to them. Right. Because they may be able to afford to pay your price sure. that you want for it, but the logistics to get it to port, either LA or wherever, yeah. and then have it shipped, especially like like now after COVID and everything, Stuff would go to port and it would sit there for six months. Yeah. And then by the time it gets there, for it to clear customs could be another six months. Right. So, yeah, they're, they're going to spend 20 to you know 50 grand on a vehicle. 
and then they're not going to have it for a year. Right. Then it there there lies the problem, especially with the overseas stuff. Um, I lost my train of thought. So yeah, selling stuff overseas is just very difficult. Yeah. So I would always try to move it and put in. I don't want to say as little as money as possible, but amount of money that I felt comfortable losing. Sure. If it didn't work out. So everything's a gamble. Thousand percent. And and my gambles are normally like sub twenty grand, which yeah. not saying that's not a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Yeah. Um and I would be like, okay, if I'm gonna spend twelve grand on this truck and put three or four grand into it, make it you know my style. Right. Can I get twenty? Can I get twenty five? Can I get thirty? Like what's the number I can get on this like what's my ROI on this vehicle? So I probably sold before starting my own business, probably eight trucks. And my, my business wasn't to do like what I did like in my fun time or right. me making a couple of bucks on a couple of vehicles. My businesses, I had so many people asking for like the stuff that we would do. They wanted it done, but they either didn't know how, the know-how or, or the right place to take it or whatever right. else. Me and my buddy were doing it. He I guess it doesn't matter. Um, he was working like a general automotive place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were doing it like at nighttime. Right. After they closed. Or we were doing it at one of our houses. Yeah. And then we were like, we're making money like doing this. And at that time I was paying him and then, you know, whatever profit I made, I made, but I would pay him for his time. Sure. And then when the fallout at that place I was working at happened, I told him, I was like, hey man, Fuck working for somebody else. Yeah. I want to work for myself. So side and, hustle and, gone. Yeah. And I don't care if if I don't make a dollar. As long as the business pays for itself, that's all I care about. Right. And and, and thank God I, I owe a lot to this. You know, the probably the most important person I haven't talked about yet is my wife. Um she's kind of cool. She's kind of cool. And I'm not saying that I needed her approval, but getting her approval meant everything. You know, I'm, 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 I actually want to kind of second that as far as like, it's not so much approval. Yeah. It's support. I don't know what to call it. The no, approval. Yeah. Is like, that, so, hey, I want to be a scumbag, quit my job <laughs> and then go work for myself. And I'm probably not going to make any money right. for a while. And are you okay with well, that? It's, it? Dude, it's like, you know, I, I worked, you know, my wife stayed home for 11 years, you know, and that, you know, that, that job pays her absolutely nothing and you couldn't pay her enough to, for the sacrifice she makes too, right? Yeah. And so, but I watched, you know, she went to school, became a nurse, right? She actually went to school to be a pharmacist, decided to be a nurse. And then she's like, she basically more or less forced me to make the jump. Yeah. And if it wasn't for her, same thing, right? If it wasn't for her support, you know, and her saying, hey, you, you just do it. Like, yeah. you do you, right? You know, it's like, okay, I'll do it. I, you know, and I had no belief in myself or anything like that. You know, people around me like, do you know this, you can do this. And I was like, I'll just, I'm going to try it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and when you say try, like, I think at the end of the day, because to me, like failure is not on the table. Yeah. If it happens, it happens. Failure felt but, like death for me. But it's not in my, like, I don't ever think it's going to happen. Yeah. It could happen. Absolutely. Anything can come to an end. Sure. Um, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to try this and see if it works. Like yeah. to me, like I've never thought about doing anything that way. If I'm going to do it and, and sink my own money into it and everything else and my, and my hundred percent of my ability to do so, 
failure is not an option. Yeah. I was having this talk with uh, my business partner the other day who is really like the hands-on aspect of the business. Mm-hmm. And I'm like more of like customer, like parts, you know, prospecting the, the face of the company, so whatever, yeah, so you're, whatever you're you like a little Richard Rawlings. Man, is that Aaron if Kaufman? I'm, if I'm ever <laughs> a quarter of the success that man has, I'll yeah. be extremely happy. I mean, he's successful because he figured it out. We we had a guy on the show uh, not too long ago who uh, he's he's had some advice from him, and the biggest thing he focused on is his brand. Yeah, you know, because if all these other things fail, the merchandise pays for it. Why do you think it's like like right now? If you look at Richard, he has a car that is up for grabs every freaking. Yeah. month right was it is there like every 30 days he's yeah. doing an auction like because an auction, and, like, and it makes away. total sense because look if i'm going to have this this gt4 right mm-hmm. okay you got a three hundred fifty thousand dollars car i'm gonna I give it away it's a green gt3 available right now yeah so it's a, i stand corrected but it's a, <laughs> so you got three hundred fifty thousand dollars car yeah. right but you need to go buy merch mm-hmm. to be entered to win this car it's it's genius so you pull a million dollars a month in merch, right? Or even if it took you three months. Someone with his reach. Yeah, but... Because there's a lot of other people out there that try the whole raffle deal. And it's it's wildly successful as long as you have reach. Yeah. We just... I I, I really contemplated doing that business model with the... What's the last truck I sold? Um, like just based off a sticker. Yeah. Like you buy a $100 sticker. I need to sell 40 of them. But... That forty thousand is what I need for the truck, but hey, someone can actually win it for a hundred bucks. Yeah, I think once my reach is a little bit larger, I definitely want to do one. Sure, it, it may not be a forty thousand dollar truck, maybe like a fifteen <laughs> or twenty thousand dollar truck, because I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of those guys put a time limit on it, like yeah. thirty days, sixty days. But see, a lot if, of those if guys you're like halfway him. out your money by day thirty, it's it's gonna hurt a little. Well, bit. but I mean, think about this: so you know, you go out there, you buy this GT, right? Your your payment on that, I mean, you're that's a fat payment. That's five grand a month. Yeah, but you think he actually has payments? Um, he pays cash for that. I honestly, I don't know. I think I think there's probably certain extents, right? I think yeah. now that with his success, he could probably pay cash. And hell, they're probably just handing them to him, yeah. right? And it's you, like a car dealership because he's a dealer, so you have terms on dealerships. Yeah, you know, ninety days pay for your car, Little right? Plan everything else. So he's sitting there driving it, enjoying it. You know, these aren't zero mileage. He's yeah. enjoying it, and then it's up for grabs, right? So in ninety days, it's gone. So at, he can at do his that. level. I'm sure if you can buy it and not use any cash, I'm sure it's a gigantic plus for him. But I mean, that's that's actually the the main thing with businesses. You know, a lot of people are going to tell you don't spend money, borrow cheap money. <laughs> you See, know I'm, I'm the opposite. I I use the cash that I have available to myself. Yeah, for, and I know you and me have talked about this, basically because a lot of the stuff that I'm purchasing is very low risk. Yeah, in my opinion, for me knowing the market. Right. Um, I, I think one day down the road, I'm going to need an influx of more cash than what I have yeah. on hand. Um, but uh, like for me, like everything that I've bought and sold or, or offered, I've paid for. Sure. Never, never gotten a loan on. I just like, you know what? I have this cash available to me. I can purchase it. I own it. I don't know if it's like a, a feeling to myself that like, Hey, if shit hits the fan, at least like, you know, I'll get my money's back and I yeah. can put it back in my bank account. Um, it's, I don't know. It's a weird, I, I mean, I would rather have that debt. tangible. No, we started debt. our, our, our conglomerate debt free, right? Yeah. The, and you know, we did that for about three years before we had to start taking on debt. Yeah. And, and what I've learned too, like, like I'll finance things, 
but accelerate payments. You know what I'm saying? Because like yeah. you might have a month like you know what you did great. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay more towards that. And, and you know so it's like I'm not afraid to go buy a boat for a 15 year loan, right? Yeah. And then pay it off in two. Oh, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'll do it because it's it's borrowed money. It keeps your cash flow up, right? And and that's a lot of businesses will realize that once you start having employees. Because you got to pay your that's, employees no matter what. That, that's where where I'm at now, coming close to year two. Yeah. And having people that I'm responsible for paying, and we pay on a weekly basis, is, yeah, if you have an off week, that cash comes out of my pocket. Yeah. So it's like, oof. It, but, it, but knowing like, hey, I'm going to make it back next week. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Right. But, and, and it gets scary. You yeah. know, I mean, I can tell you personally, you know, there's dark days. Oh yeah. I've, I've paid, <laughs> I, I've paid payroll myself. Yeah. And like, you know what? I learned a lesson this week or something happened or, you know, this, uh, I've, I've never had a customer not pay, so I can't say that, but like things didn't go as planned. Sure. So I'm going to cover payroll this week. Right. And, and thank God I only have, you know, two guys that I'm responsible for. One of them is technically a business partner because right. he handles all my backend stuff. The stuff that I don't have the knowledge of, I let him handle. Like me finding customers, prospecting, and like thank God the little reach I have has brought us a ton of business. And that word of mouth is like obviously number one that keeps bringing business back to me. Right. That, you know, thank God that I have that customer base. Or else, because if you, if you try to start a business with no customer base, you are in for a you know a, a long start. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. you know that's the one of the things I tell a lot of people you know that want to start like in my industry or yeah. any industry is go work for somebody. Yeah, you know what I mean go get knowledge that they're paying you to get. Yep. You know because if you just jump all in, I don't care if you have a hundred grand in your name, you're like yeah I'm gonna drop fifty grand, I'm gonna start the business. It's going to fail. Because you have to be, you know, versed in what you do. Yes. And, you know, fortunately, you already had a passion for cars. So it's like, and you already kind of dabbled in it as a yeah. side hustle, right? And, and I have someone that I trust fully that I know knows all the things that I don't know. Right. Like, literally, I could watch this man tear a vehicle apart to nothing yeah. and put it back together. Myself, I don't have that you know mechanical ability of course am i mechanically versed and can i do i know my way around a vehicle a thousand percent yeah but once wiring and stuff like that gets involved i'm like uh, i hate nah, wiring nah bro yeah. that's wiring that, stuff, that's man. that that's <laughs> not me like i don't i don't want to do that that's not my thing so uh but like suspension stuff wheels tires big brakes all the stuff that's like we call it easy money right i absolutely love that i don't want to be in my office i want to be you know, doing those things with the guys. Like I enjoy that. Yeah. But if we're talking about, you know, getting really into the thick of building a vehicle or right. taking one apart and putting it back together, you catch me in the office. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the air conditioning. I mean, we, we finally have an AC <laughs> shop, so there's all AC now. So thank God. Dude, I was, uh, you know, in coincidence, I have AC in my shop, right? I didn't always have AC. Dude, we, the first three summers, well, because I'm going to include the summer because we just moved in the new building almost 30 days ago. Yeah. Three summers Texas heat, like, it's not fun. It nah. sucks. Dude, it's rough. Hot. And a metal building, too. Yeah. It's, with, it's, with, a, with one porta cool and some fans just trying to you know, make yeah, it through. That's just extra sweat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, that's nothing. You know, I, I want to kind of like end this last section of the, the podcast and talk about, you know, how Mr. G's, I've seen it in the last two years become, you know, a pipe dream to yeah. actually being a successful, successful and, you know, and respected business. 
how are we going to like what are you doing now to get people to actually find you because the one thing i've noticed as a consumer is hard to find good vehicle companies like in the classics because dude, there's so there's a bunch of them out there mm-hmm. and they do not do what they're going to say so I, I know we talked about brand uh, briefly i am solely focused on my personal brand and then my business brand second i know that sounds counterproductive what's a personal brand so just like myself okay so uh, i'm the owner of the company you know sole owner and then my business partner handles everything on the back end so people are looking for someone like myself i believe they're looking for the you know i always like that phrase oh i got a guy for that yeah i want to be the guy (laughs) you need something i want to be that guy yeah whatever it is if it's coming and having your vehicle worked on or if you just need parts or whatever it is right so I have took it upon myself to build my personal brand first and then my business brand second. But yeah, we have, you know, all types of social media and websites live, all that stuff. But really what has built the business has been word of mouth advertising. Yeah. And just taking care of customers and them refer like literally my realtors referred me two or three amazing customers. I mean, uh, my entire yeah. thing is built off word of mouth. Yeah. And, and, and that's how it has to be. And because you actually deliver what you say you're going to do. Yes. You know, because honesty is one of those things in the car business that a lot of people seem to forget. It's it's, it's really, depending on what you're doing, it's based 100% on communication. Yeah. If you cannot communicate with a customer, and we're talking like long-term build stuff, like not something that's going to be there for two days. That's right. Obviously, there's going to be communication, but it should be very simple. Sure. But like long-term stuff is is solely based off communication. Like if the customer doesn't understand something, like it is my job for them to understand it. And if I didn't understand it or if I didn't explain it correctly, that's on myself. Yeah. And I've come across that, you know, in the first two years of business where I should have explained something differently or I should have went more in depth. And, uh, you know, it's just learning curves of starting your own business. And I think too, like some of the, the expectations people set, right. They can be a little extreme, uh, you know, yes. and we're in a society now where everything's about, I need it tomorrow. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got some of these friends on Facebook that I see, and it's like they need their, their grass mode tonight at 7 o'clock because their guy didn't show up. Then get your ass out there and mow You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's, you know, instant gratification, instant everything. And I'm like, and, and I can see that from the outside. Like, I'm like, you're going to take my truck now. Like, I could really use it back by Friday. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> like, like your truck, your family. Like, I told you two weeks ago, hey, this is the day I'm thinking about coming to get it. Yeah. Because – at the end of the day, you're important, but I have other customers that are important too. Right. And it's like, hey, like you're on the schedule. Like, so I'm not like a lot of other places be like, oh, it's it's my buddy or it's, you know, my cousin. Like, yeah. He knows I'll take care of him. Like, oh, no, exactly. like I have a schedule and I need to fit that schedule. Like, like, right. And especially like if I don't have jobs coming in, how do I pay for everything? Sure. Like, jobs have to come in. Like, every week yeah. for us to make money. I mean, that's the same thing with my business. Yeah. You know, if I start seeing holes in the schedule, I'm making people call. Yeah. You know? percent. Who's next? Like I felt like kind of slow this week. We only have two vehicles on the, on the schedule this week, but they're both like long-term projects. Yeah. So it's like billable hours is, is what I need. Like, yeah. The quick jobs are great for something that's going to fill a pocket for a couple of hours. Right. But the long-term stuff, it, it's it, as a, on the business side, like, you don't have billable hours it's it's really tough to like because a lot of places out there are like oh i need to get uh this lowering kit this lift kit done okay it's like a flat rate yeah 
flat rate works for a little bit of time, but once you start diving into the bigger trucks, it's like, or the bigger projects that you can't flat rate that. Like, no. It's got to be based off an hourly. And and on, in reality too, is if, if you're asking for a budget, you know what I mean? Like on a full long-term build, yeah, it's, it's, you probably shouldn't be doing this. You know, like if you're not, it's like, cause if you quote me 25, I need to realistically call it 50 just in case. Yeah. There's, so if we're talking in the context of like a full build in today's world with parts being how expensive they are, you're going to spend a hundred grand. Yeah. Like if you want to do a quote unquote, and we're, I'm, I'm talking like minus paint. Like yeah. Unless we're building something in, where the parts are inexpensive, which I don't think there is anything anymore to do a full build on something. You take something, pull the body off of it. Whether you buy a chassis, you refurb the factory chassis, the factory frame, whatever. I mean, with time, you could spend a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Pretty quick. Like, and, and people are like, Oh, I don't understand that. Like I could put into context, a personal vehicle of mine. I paid 20 grand for this truck. The chassis that was underneath of it was not up to my standard. I sold that for $10,000. So, okay, so now I have a $10,000 truck. Well, now I need to replace the actual foundation of the truck. Well, the one that I want with brakes and everything is 20 grand. Okay. So now I got $30,000 for a body yeah. and the chassis. Okay, well, now I need a motor. Well, I'm not going to buy a $20,000 chassis and put a $1,200 motor in it. So you buy an LS3. A stock LS3 doesn't look like it belongs there. Right. So, well, if I'm going to paint it and I'm going to make it look a certain way, might as well put a cam in it. <laughs> so that, you know, $6,000 long block that you bought is now a $15,000 motor. Right. Okay. Got to put a transmission behind a motor. A decent 4L80 or 6L80 or 6L90, you're going to spend, you know, even if you buy a used unit, you know, two to $5,000. Yeah. Okay. Well, now it needs to roll. So you got to buy wheels and tires, okay? Your wheels and tires, do you want cheap stuff? Do you want nice stuff? Even if you need to clear the modern brakes nowadays, like we were talking before the podcast, you need a 20-inch wheel. Yeah. A decent set of 20-inch wheels with tires are going to cost you, what, 2500 bucks? Minimum. I spent $6,000. So we're getting close to you know, $50,000, $60,000 for a truck that is in pieces Yeah. that I'm not going to paint. So then you add... If I didn't own a shop and I took it somewhere, I think the average labor rate, not unlike quick stuff, but long-term projects is anywhere from like 100 to $125 an hour. Yeah. Just think about the time to run brake lines, run fuel lines, plumb your fuel system, install your motor, install your transmission, have a drive shaft built, bleed all of your brakes to do all those things, okay? Then you're not going to drive around with a bench seat that's 60 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the interior done yeah well now you need a stereo or at least something to listen right. to right so there goes another you know interior that's uh, and then you roll out in the summer heat and you're like oh yeah, shit i need ac it's wild <laughs> interior can be in, like when i say cheap like redoing like an inside of a single cab truck like seat cover new carpet if you're not the one installing you're easily going to pay you know 60 to 80 dollars an hour for a good interior guy and some of the really good interior guys are 120 dollars an hour right you're gonna you're gonna spend you know 
call it on the really low end, you buy everything out of a catalog, 2,500 bucks for them to put it all in and install it up to, there's places down by me, you could drop a vehicle off and they can make it look like a modern car. You could spend $50,000 on right. the interior. Oh yeah. So even if you call it you know, $10,000 interior, I mean, we're talking like $70,000. Before you even had labor. In, in parts, before yeah. we're even getting to labor. Right. I was having a discussion with a customer the other day. The vehicle showed up from the paint shop. The harness is basically just hanging out of the vehicle. It's not labeled. We're supposed to put a motor and trans in it. Get it, you know, up to running and driving. Well, if we don't know where any of these wires go because the wiring harness hasn't been labeled and there's no motor in the vehicle for us to take out and then label it where it all went, <laughs> we're basically rewiring your entire car. Yeah, and at that point, you might as well. Yeah, which, and then you then once you're doing that, you find all the things that you know were done incorrectly yeah. that you have to take time now to fix. And then the, you know, $20,000 motor that you bought and the $7,000 transmission that you bought doesn't fit the way that's supposed to. Then now we're talking about, you know, opening up your trans tunnel, modifying the cross member that's in the car. It's just all added time that, you know, think of, oh, I'm just putting a motor and transmission in a car. Yeah. Well, I knew going into it that the car had just been in a front end collision where the whole body had been redone. So nothing really fits like it should right because it's the whole car's been rebuilt and, and you know going through that with the customer and you know having clear expectations of hey and me showing photos like hey let's look at all this stuff like it's not what we expected right and i know it's a time frame issue and i know it's now a money issue but do you want your car back in pieces or do you want it back correctly that you can get in and drive it and put your family in it and, and you know it's not hopefully going to burn down on the ground because we didn't do our job and go through it and check everything. Right. And it's, I mean, even with what you're talking about, still the most basic of things to fall, you know, trap to as a car owner, you get these guys that go buy something that looks clean, right. And ends yeah. up being the biggest rust bucket, you oh, know, yeah. bondoed. We're doing right now one right now for an amazing customer, 75 Bronco, 20 feet away. It looks like, man, that thing's bad electrical fire driving down the road yeah and it's like th there's there's vehicles out and don't go wrong like fifty thousand dollars for one of those broncos that's that's what they cost yeah a, a nice one you know if you're looking at like icon four by four or something like that i mean you're right. talking three four hundred grand but what's out there like a nice vintage bronco you buy a clapped out piece of junk 30 grand and you want one that runs and drives 40 to 50 grand is what they're selling for sure so to that you what is it, your price of entry is sometimes really big yeah and people don't really realize that yeah. I mean, it's kind of like what you know uh, i love the honda crx still yeah and like my first one six hundred dollars mm -hmm. and I, i've been looking forever trying to find one of those like untouched oh i had one gems. i had a 91 si red and uh, i came across one the other day and it was a it was a 1990 and uh it was the hf model so yeah. like roll up windows and everything like standard kind of like you wanted that you know it's lighter yeah you know that's I mean? the race car version yeah exactly yeah. and so dude it was eighteen thousand dollars yeah i'm like i don't get a sunroof the, or power <laughs> and i'm like 18 grand i've always i'm i'm a gm guy first but i've always liked a lot of the jdm stuff and like the prices of those cars now compared to like i had a really clean one back in the day 
I'm like, I remember I paid like $8,500 for this car. Now can't touch one for like under 30 grand. And yeah. I'm just like, what in the world is going on? Oh, yeah. On? And I mean, I've started to turn my attention to like doing right-hand drives. Yeah. You know, just to have a couple right-hand drives just because it's always been like my childhood like dream. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, the the price right now, price of entry is real big. It's it's gonna cost me at least thirty five grand minimum. Oh, yeah. To get something decent, but not perfect. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, when I spend thirty five grand, I feel like it should be a showpiece, and it's not. It's yeah. still got you know an eBay body kit on it. <laughs> you know. It's, and that's one of the things I try to drive home with people. Like they they have this concept in their mind, and I tell people this on the same note, like you. Buy something that's done that we're just going to make a couple changes to. Building something is not for the faint of heart. Like you were going to spend double, triple than what you, that number you have in your head. You were going to spend an exponentially way more. Sure. But also, why are you building it? Are you building it for yourself? Are you building it to sell it? Like, why are you building it? Like to me, like I'm building this truck because I want to say that I, I spared no expense. Right. I built a truck for myself. It's going to be the exact way that I want it, wanted it built. And yeah, it'll be for sale. Sure. But everything's for I'm sale. still <laughs> going to build it the way that I want it. Right. Now, there's other cars out there that you can buy that someone already you know, finished it or it's done. And that's a great starting point for some people. Yeah. Because then you could just put your little spin on it or you could change the wheels or you could make the little things that make it your own. Right. So I tell people all the time, hey. Unless you want to spend some like absurd amount of money, find something that's ninety five percent done that you can just you know and that, make a and, couple changes. And that's kind of where I'll leave it too is uh, for this this episode. But the personally, you know how many cars I've bought, yeah, put a shit ton of money into, never finished them, and then sell them for half of what I put into yeah. it. And it's like don't buy something and put money into it if you're not gonna either one finish it, two keep it long term, yeah. or three you have the habit like me you get bored. Like, if something sits too long, I'm like, it's got to go. And it's like, and it's, it's weird. Like, it, it, I hate it because it's like I bought an RV um, a year ago. Mm-hmm. I've used it four times. It has not gone out this year. And I'm like, I feel like I need to sell it. Yeah. You know, it's because I don't have the time to go. It's much fun as we had in it. Yeah. I'm like, it's got to go. You could, like, rent one for the weekend. Yeah. And that's so I'm like, dude, I'd rather take that, that, you know, money and go put it, like, in a cabin that's VRBO'd. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know. The, the, I used to have this customer in Las Vegas when I was an insurance agent. Every year they'd go buy like a like a gigantic motorhome. Yeah. And like $300,000. And the next year they'd like go buy a new one and trade the other one and they give them like 200000 I'm like, yeah, hold on. You just lost $100,000 so you could get the one year newer model. And I was there for five years. They did it four out of the five years. Dude, that's nuts. And I'm like, you just blew 400 grand in four years just because you want like the new feature or the new right. model or the new. new and a lot of times it's, like, it's not even that different. Yeah. And every year they would use it like twice. Yeah. Like each one had like 6,000 miles on it when they got rid of it. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? Some people are like that. Yeah. You know, it's a, but I mean, dude, I, that's, that's a whole different like conversation that can go so many different ways. People in their wastefulness. And I, I mean, I, I've wasted a lot of money too. Don't oh, get, don't get me wrong. Thousand percent. I mean, I don't. I don't think you have hustle or grit or a grind, and and can say that you've never wasted money. You know, I've thrown a lot of money against the wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And uh, you know, and we learned. 
you know, yeah. most of the time, you know, most of the time, most of the time, you know, we still make some mistakes on some of the things we buy, but I, I think, uh, I don't know if I like to use the word mistake, but those are all just learning lessons to get yeah. you to wherever you're going. It's a mistake the second time around. Yeah. Don't, don't do it twice. <laughs> but I, I think, I think, uh, like in my business, I put a lot of money, like my own personal money into the business to, to grow it and right. to, to buy, like, you know, this in the spray foam business, like if you don't have a spray foam rig, can't make any money. No. If I don't have a lift, can't make any money. Tools. Tool. Like you ha- like to start a shop, like if you don't have all that stuff already, I mean, we're talking, you know, $40,000, $50,000 to get, get the ball rolling. To I'm like, just going to go down to Harbor Freight and I can start a shop, right? You know what I mean? Like I can get you know you know how they sell two post lifts at Harbor Freight. I mean maybe. I still it's still it's still stuck in the California Bay waiting to come in. Yeah, you I know? need to I need to send you a picture of the the one I got from your family because we've been beating the brakes off of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's the our main one now. Dude, it's great. I mean that that lift was. I wish I had the height. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That was my holy drawback, and that's why, that's why I told you like if you ever need to part with it, yeah. call me first because. Yeah. You know, you know when when he passed away, like I wanted to own as much of his stuff as possible. He had some badass shit at his place. You know, and he he was he was just a genius, and you know he'll be greatly missed. But it's a, I'm glad you got that one, man. And and I mean, it's you know, it's not every day you got this 12 foot tall two post yeah. lift either. And it's it's crazy, like to go to his house and like see how he was living at his age. Yeah, dude. Couldn't have asked for a better life. No, nah, like he that. he definitely was doing yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, some of his boys they jump in their their plane and go have yeah. breakfast in Oklahoma. Yeah. Paint, paint a picture. This gentleman lived in an airplane <laughs> hangar. That was a house yeah. that was two stories that had every toy a man could probably yeah. want. So yeah, it's, yeah. One of my favorite pictures of him is him standing like with his 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 plane, his Porsche, yeah, and his old uh, you know fifty six Chevy truck. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, it's, it's killer. Like I, I need that life in like yeah. thirty years from now. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, we all have dreams and goals, and you know, but this is this is what's going to get you there. One hundred percent. You know, and so I, I want to leave on that. And, and guys, check out Mr. G's Auto. Um, we'll have um, a link, and we'll tag him in the uh, the post of this. Um, but check him out. He's in the Austin area. He's one of the most premier guys out there. I'm not saying that because he's family, but I've personally seen what he can do. And if you're looking for something in particular. That you can't find six four Impala, Continental, whatever it is, doesn't matter. If it's old truck, he'll find it. So you call him up, you know, reach out to Pat. Um, man, dude, is is a pleasure. Appreciate you. And uh, I know this is the longest conversation we've had in about three years. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both busy people. <laughs> it, it's tough. It's tough being uh, an entrepreneur. It's uh, it's. I feel like whenever we have time to connect, we spend the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like. If you call me, I miss call, or you, oh, I yeah. call you and it's, you miss call. It's like, dude, it's back it's like and hey. Yeah, and then like, we give up. And then my wife's like, <laughs> you talk to Walter? Yeah, for like 10 minutes. And then she's I pissed. Just, I tried calling me. He didn't answer his phone. I go, I go, he'll call you back. It might be a couple weeks, but he'll call you back. <laughs> she was like, fine. Like, right. She's instant gratification. If, she, if you do not answer her call. Oh, I'm the same way. Like, I'm big on instant gratification. Yeah. But yeah, like when it's family with her, if you don't answer the phone. Uh, oh, dude, it's it's brutal. Yeah. She'll beat us. Shout out, Val. Yeah. We love you. 20 phone calls again today. Yeah, exactly. Love you, babe. Well, guys, we'll we'll, uh, see you on the next one.